Okay, we are, as you recall, we are on this, this kind of long section in Exodus that is about the tabernacle. Just a reminder again of the 13 of the last 16 chapters of, of Exodus are about, uh, some, in some way, about the tabernacle. Um, for a couple of reasons, it, the tabernacle, as you remember, is a symbol of the continuing presence of God among the people of Israel, and it is also there to accommodate the practice of organized religion. And tonight in, in Exodus 28, uh, we are going to come across part of that, um, the practice of organized religion. Actually, in the next couple of chapters, we'll be dealing with, with the priesthood um, that is, that is that practiced in the tabernacle that was in charge of of worship in charge of sacrifices uh, for the the tabernacle. So uh, we're covering about a chapter a week, which means this is we. It's going to be a long week or a long uh, time. Just look at how many verses we have there. Forty three verses tonight, um, and so we will we will do our best to uh, go with those forty three verses. So just a, a quick review, so from the last three times we were here, chapters 25, 26, 27 are all part of this um, tabernacle uh, discussion, or the first part of it, and, and this is beginning in verse 25, or chapter 25, all the way through 30, chapter 30, verse 10, is one long set of instructions by, by God to Moses. Uh, and then there will be more after that, but but just one long stretch here. And and here's the main thing that's going on. Um, this is from Exodus 25. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. So just notice that exactly as I show you as we come to uh, the part that we are dealing with, with priests tonight. So, here are the things we've covered. If you remember from chapter 25, was about furnishings for the tabernacle, like the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the most important of those. Uh, and then the next week, chapter 26, we did the tabernacle itself, that tent that has four layers where... Um, where God will meet with Moses and eventually the high priest will, will serve there. And then the tabernacle court. And the most important part of that that we talked about last time was the altar. Uh, if you remember that longer discussion about the altar that was there mostly for, for sacrifices. So... Uh, chapter 28, we are continuing that passage, and the ESV, if you have an ESV Bible, this whole chapter, all 43 verses, are under the heading, The Priest's Garments. Um, so, why are the priest's garments part of the tabernacle discussion? Well, touched on that a little bit, but the priest is, this is about worship. It's about the practice of worship. And so part of that is, is the priesthood, and even down to what the priests will wear. So that's the only heading of this, these whole 43 verses in the ESV. I didn't look at any other 
um, headings uh, on other um, from other versions, but um, the Hebrew Bible has about five breaks in it in these in these chapters, and they don't have headings. It doesn't put headings on those for us. And if you read commentaries on this chapter, you'll you'll also see that they have about five. They don't match exactly uh, each other or the Hebrew Bible breaks. Um, but but I'm going to use three main breaks in this um, in this section. First is that Aaron and his sons are set apart. Um, that's the first five verses, uh, and then the next. Uh, 34 verses are, are garments for Aaron. Um, and then the last four are garments for his son. So you can see that section in the middle, 34 out of the 43 verses, a pretty long section. We'll subdivide that a little bit because if you just go and read through it and, and don't think about the breaks that are there, it will get pretty confusing and and. Um, pretty ununderstandable if you pretty yeah you won't be able to understand it if you don't if you don't think about the different things that are going through and this is unusual for for me as we're taking these long uh, passages is that I'm going to make a few observations three points about the high priest himself uh, as we go through uh, this is separate from those divisions we had before but the the, the one is this the high priest is chosen by God. Second point is the high priest represents the people before God. Uh, third is the high priest carries the guilt of the people. So that's an interesting phrase. Um, the, the ESV phrases it pretty close to that. Not exactly, but we'll, we'll talk about that, which um, it, it seems... Uh, a little bit ambiguous what that might mean, so we'll we'll talk about that. So, the first section is the first five verses, uh, verses one through five of Exodus um, 28. If you turn there, um, that would be great. Get ready to read, and we are going to make our first point from these five verses, so that the high priest is chosen by God. So let's begin by reading... Exodus 28, uh, beginning in verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother, so this is God speaking to Moses, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. So you know that you see who God is selecting uh, these priests from, from all the people of Israel, which which. You know, many think that there were a couple million, maybe three million people of Israel at this time. And God chooses from among them five to serve as priests initially. At least in this, in this, in this stage, five people. So the Lord selects them. Uh, he decides what they're going to do. He decides what their vocation is going to be. He, what their calling is going to be. Um, so they're to be priests. That's who they're to be. They don't really get a choice in that. Um, it's not based on them being skillful. Uh, it's not based on them being filled with the Spirit, for example. 
Uh, it was a role that appears that it's going to pass down from generation because this is, this is Aaron and his four sons. Aaron and Aaron's sons. Nadav and Avihu, Eleazar and Itamar. So those are the four sons of Aaron. So Aaron is chosen by God, right? Set apart to be, and he's going to be, uh, it's not mentioned in this, in this chapter, but he's the high priest. Aaron is chosen in the, as the high priest of Israel. He's not actually called that here, but you can tell he's the high priest by, by what is uh, going on in the chapter. But notice, that, notice this, it's not only Aaron that's chosen by God that's set apart. It's also his sons. So, so not just the high priest is, is chosen by God. God chooses, chooses priests. And Paul, uh, we're, we're kind of familiar with that from the New Testament. Paul says things like that. He writes at the beginning of Romans, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So, so if you're a believer, you're supposed to think of yourself like that. Um, maybe not as an apostle, but as something else. Here, you're supposed to think of yourself this way. So this is from 1 Peter. So much of the New Testament is based on these Old Testament things. Here's from 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You, were, you yourselves, like living stones. So this is, this is two... Peter's writing to believers, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, that would be God's people, that would be the church, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're, that's us, right? So as believers, we are that. We are like these priests in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle period here, chosen by God to be the priesthood. And, um, and, and that comes to life in the church. In, here's, here's, an, here's a passage in Colossians. So that was Peter writing. This is Paul writing. Paul writes this in, in Colossians chapter 3. It's a fairly familiar passage, at least parts of it parts of it would be familiar. But he writes this. Put on then writing to the church in Colossae. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So this is what these are instructions for us. Compassionate hearts Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So Paul's writing about the life of the church. He's, he's writing about organized religion right now. He's writing about what a church is to function like, what we are to be like um, as God's chosen people. 
what we are to be like. And a big part of that, an indispensable part of that, is that we are in church. We are part of a church. We are, nobody, a great um, sermon this morning about about doing things your own way that, 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 that Pastor Terry gave about you know, doing things your own way is about the same thing, is the same thing, is let, let's just do it Satan's way. Because God has a, a way for us to live in community together. So back to Exodus. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So notice Aaron is, is set apart right here even more. It was Aaron and his sons. Going to address Aaron and his sons again. But now we're talking about Aaron specifically, that he's going to, um, that, that Moses is to oversee the making of holy garments for Aaron, for glory and for beauty. Now, so that doesn't mean for Aaron's personal glory. Right? It is about um, the glory of God, the honor of God, the beauty of God, but also for that the people will notice this, that the office that he is filling, that Aaron is filling, the high priest, is an important, important thing. And not only for people to see his garments, but as we'll see as we go through this, for God to look on those garments. So, so it's not just for the benefit of people that Aaron is to wear these special clothes so we're going we're gonna to talk again about Aaron and his sons, but the biggest part of this chapter, again, is about Aaron's garments, and he is going to be uh, the high priest. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill. So there are different translations for you shall speak to all the skillful of whom I have filled with a spirit of skill. Different translations there, they all mean about the same thing, right? The translations do, they're trying to capture this, that God has given people special skills. He has set them apart by those special skills for this specific task. We don't know when they became skillful. They may have become skillful 30 years ago, and God sets them aside for this task now. So, so it's not just the high priest that's called by God and set aside by God. It's not just all the priests that are set aside by God. It's not just the, the professional clergy in our day that are set aside by God. Others are set aside by God also for their special skills to serve. The priests are supposed to serve as priests. Other people are set aside to serve in, in other roles. So you often hear things like this when, you're, when, when people talk to you. I don't know how many times they've heard, you know, I just, I, I really want, I just want to, I want to prayerfully consider what God wants me to do with my life. Um, I don't very often, once in a while you hear somebody say that, 
you know, I really feel called specifically to this one thing. That is, that's great. But most people go, I really want to know what God wants me to do. I really want to know what his plan is for me. I don't really know what his plan is for me, and I, and I really want to just know that so, so that I can live it out. So, I don't know. I'm guessing some of you have felt that way. If not, you're nothing like me. <laughs> I spent most of my life doing that. I spent most of my life trying to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up. Right? So we talk about that way too. Yeah, what are you going to do when you grow up? Well, I don't know. Grant doesn't know. So, <laughs> so, so we're basically saying the same thing. If, if, we're, if we're Christians, we're saying, what does God want me to do? Right? Well, we may overanalyze that a little bit. Just, just look at this. You shall speak to all the skillful whom, uh, whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom. People, people, we know that people are blessed with spiritual gifts. We know that, right? We know that that, that is the case. Well, we may, may still want to know, well, I know that we have spiritual gifts that we're supposed to use in the church and we're supposed to use to build each other up. I just really want to do what I'm supposed to do for a job, right? Well... Don't overthink it, right? Here, this text can help us. What are you good at? <laughs> what are you, and better yet, like, what are you good at and that you like to do? God, in, God puts things in people to do it. So don't overthink it, and it might change from time to time, too. We don't, we don't really know that. That's not something that we are all feel really strongly called to, to something. But um, we all know what we are good at, and we all know what we like to do. And if, aside from any other strong calling, let's do that. Maybe God's just put that on our hearts. He's going to later name these people that he's talking about specifically, but they have some really, really good skills, and it's pretty clear that they should be helping with this uh, as we go through this. And they shall make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, to set him apart, um, to uh, make him holy, set apart for my priesthood. And these are the garments they shall make. A breastpiece and a fod, actually a fod. Um, so everybody says ephod here. Um, it's, the only, it's the only Hebrew word in here, um, but, but it's pronounced a fod. A robe, a coat of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. Um, so notice these are the things that, that are going to be in Aaron's garments. So, they shall, they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen. So there you go. Where are they going to get those? From the other people. Right? So we all have contributions to make, even at something like uh, building the tabernacle, making garments um, for uh, the priests. So the garments for Aaron are the next 
next verses. Again, this is uh, 34 verses, and so we're going to break it into sections just so that we can understand. Remember, the things that, the things that he's going to describe here were listed. So that was a good point that we've got an outline coming for things. So we're going to break it in this into four sections. The ephod, the breastpiece, and those things go together, really. Um, and then the robe of the ephod, the coat, the turban, and the sash, those are covered in, in just uh, four verses. So we lump those all together rather than making them uh, separate points. The biggest part, as you can see, there's, there's one uh, out of these 34 verses... Uh, 6 through 30, verse 6 through 30, are about the ephod and the breastpiece. So, and both of those will you talk about this, the, the second point. The high priest represents the people before God. So, these clothing are, and what goes along with those as the instructions are going to point to this, that the high priest is to represent the people before God. God. So, first, uh, the ephod in verses 6 through 14. So, as I mentioned, that's the only one of these words that is from directly from Hebrew transliterated. Uh, and usually, when you see something like that, that a word you can't complete, you can't understand at all. You don't know what it means at all. It's because that that when they translated it, they didn't know either what it meant. Um, and so often it's, it's the case, or, or a place name is like that. But an ephod, what is that anyway? Well, there are various meanings for that in Scripture. Um, you will run across it in a few places, and it's not always the same thing. Uh, they're somewhat related, but, but this one is specifically a garment. Um, it is something like a long sleeveless shirt it doesn't have sleeves it's probably long it's probably down past waist length uh, just because of the the descriptions that come with it Um, and it is not it is not an undergarment okay it's not a base layer it's not something you wear under things it's an outer garment that's what this is. Um, uh, it's actually worn over the robe that we're going to talk about towards the end of the chapter. So, and they shall make the ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen skillfully worked. So very similar to the beautiful ornate materials that are inside the in of the of the tabernacle they're on the inside of the tabernacle and they're going to be skillfully worked by those skillful people and it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so it's front and back so that it may be joined together Uh, and the skillful woven band on it shall be made like it and be of one piece with it, of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and of fine twisted linen. It it seems to be just part of the the garment, probably towards the bottom, around around the waist and maybe a little bit past, just a band of of, uh, built into or woven into this, this 
um, shirt, you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, in order of their birth. So we're thinking this is, you know, 3,500 years ago or so, and they're going to engrave things on stones. So you're thinking, well, that might be, they might have to be rather large. Now, by this time, if you, skilled people had, are able to engrave very small things on stones. It's a skill that existed even before this time to be able to do that. So each stone then has six names on it. And as a jeweler engraves signets, so that's as a jeweler engraves a ring, uh, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. So that's like a network type of a of a of a setting so they were able to do this probably had to learn it in Egypt Um, and you shall shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces okay so up here of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel and Aaron shall bear their names before Yahweh on his two shoulders for a remembrance. So right away you should notice that remembrance is repeated. So they are on him, these stones with the names are on them, for a remembrance. So what, what does that mean? It probably means this, so that when, when Aaron, when the high priest goes before the Lord, he will be reminded of the covenant with his people. And so those two stones they are the things God the people God, the high priest is representing the people before God. He's he is symbolically bringing the people of Israel before the Lord. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. And next we get to the breast piece, which, as I mentioned, goes right with the previous piece. It's going to be attached to it. So it's easy to misread this. It's not a breastplate. Right? It's not like an armor of God thing. This is something different. This is like a pouch that goes on um, that, that you can put things in. So... It's made of the same material, so you shall make a breast piece of judgment. That's the way the ESV translated. New American Standard, I think, translates it the same way King James probably does. NIV translates it um, the breast piece of decision making or for making decisions. Um, so the translations judgment are good. I mean, it's the Hebrew word for judgment. Um, but NIV is translating it as it functioned. So when you're judging something, you're making a decision about something. And so that is where they're getting that translation. 
You shall make a breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. In the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. You shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, so it's folded over. Right, two squares, the same size. Its length shall be a span, which is from your thumb to your little finger, um, which for... Nowadays, many adults are about, many adult men are about nine inches to do it that way. And so that's what they think it was, about nine inches by nine inches. And it's a pouch. You shall set in it four rows of stones. So on this pouch, this nine by nine pouch, you're going to have four rows of stone. A row of sardis and topaz and carbuncle and in the first row, and the second row of emerald and sapphire and diamond, and in the third row, uh, jahint, I don't know, and agate and amethyst, and in the fourth, uh, beryl and onyx and jasper, and they shall be set in gold filigree like the others, and, they, and there shall be twelve stones with their names. According to the names of the sons of Israel, they shall be like signets, each engraved with its name, for the 12 tribes. So 12 stones this time for the 12 tribes on this pouch. And you shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall put the two cords of the gold in the rings at the edges of the breastpiece, and the two ends of the cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, which were up here, and so attach it to the front of the shoulder pieces on the ephod. So it's attached to this. It's hanging from these shoulder pieces. Okay, it's, it's this big by this big. And you shall make two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece and on its inside edge, next to the ephod, so you're going to make a couple more rings, and you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in the front to the lower part of the shoulder pieces of the ephod, and its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece with its ring to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillful, skillfully woven band of the ephod. That's the band that was around the waist, kind of. So that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So it's attached. And so you can see if, if something, if you put it on your chest, it would be about that big, right? Nine inches by nine inches. It's, it's right there. And then below that, there's a band. Um, and that's where what this is. So it's a pouch. It's open on the top. And so Aaron shall bear the names. That word shows up in here a lot in different ways. Shall bear the names. Shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart. So, Notice that, right? So it's, it's not just, it doesn't just say on his heart because it wants to tell you where the location is. Because it could say on his chest. 
So I don't think it just means the physical location. Uh, this, this pouch is on, is on his heart. So I read that to mean that this is to be what he cares about. This is to be what he loves. These are the people that he is to sympathize with. These are the people that he, are to, he, are, he is to represent with when he goes to speak to the Lord. The, and, he, and he can sympathize with them because he's one of them. So, he knows what the people are feeling. He feels what the people are feeling. He is connected with them. When he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. So that's who's supposed to do that. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what the priest is supposed to do while he's representing the people of Israel. So, um, in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, the author of the book of Hebrews talks about the tabernacle in this section of, of Exodus more than, more than probably all the, others, all the other books combined. Right? So he, he, he makes, he's the one that says that, that Jesus is our great high priest. So I don't know if you've ever been through, read through Hebrews and go, I, I really don't quite know what's going on. Well, if we know Exodus, we know that not Jesus was, was Jesus the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We know that he, he is the high priest. He is the great high priest. He is the ultimate high priest. And he is our high priest. So Hebrews 8.1, you've probably read this before, but after reading this in Exodus, um, the author's been going over some things about the tabernacle and about the priests, and he says this in beginning in verse 1 of Hebrews 8. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent, tabernacle, that the Lord, had, Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this high priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, for when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old 
covenant um, he mediates is better. Since it is enacted on better promises. So the author of Hebrews, if you've ever wondered what that means, well, here it is right here. He's like that high priest who on his heart stands in the holy place in heaven, right? Before God, meets with God, with you on his heart. He was chosen by God. He represents his people before God. He bears their names on his heart. A little bit earlier in Hebrews, the author wrote this. This is chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. In other words, hang on. To what you believe because Jesus has passed through the heavens and he is our high priest with God there. So hang on for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who is in every respect who in every respect has been tempted as as we are, and yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, the high priest was to bear that for the people of Israel, to appear before God like that. But we have... Something far superior. I'm not sure if if you guys have seen this or not, and I'm not advocating it yet because I haven't done enough research on it, but have you seen these ads lately that says, like, Jesus gets us on billboards, on TV? I know that, that, that Christianity today has been, uh, is, is part of at least trying to push this. But it's, it's different little things, and, and like I said, I don't know what's behind it yet. But I do know this, that that is true. Not whatever their ad campaign is true, but that Jesus gets us. And he is with the Father, representing us now. And in the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put Urim and Thummim, well, we might want to talk about that, but we don't have time. Some Another time. <laughs> and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. So, so Urim and Thummim were a way of making decisions. So nobody knows exactly what they were. 
They made it, some think they're like dice, like you cast lots, some think they're just two stones. They, they don't really know, um, but, but they were for making decisions. But it just wasn't just, they weren't just for anything you want to know, right? They were for, they were for serious things. They were for, they weren't for everyday decisions. Um, Sarna writes this, they were used for determining the will of God in specific matters that were on that were beyond human ability to decide. So the, only the high priest had these in, in any other use of trying to divine what God's will was, were forbidden. Um, they're used only at request of the king or the leader, and they're only used for matters of national importance, uh, where people couldn't determine the... It was beyond them to determine what, what should happen. So there are some examples that are used several times in Scripture. Um, we don't really have time to deal with them. The robe of the ephod. So you shall make the robe of the ephod of blue. So you've got a blue thing, a blue robe. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it. And a woven binding around the opening, like the opening in a garment, so that it may not tear. And you shall, on its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around them with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. So you got that picture. It's a robe. So this goes under the a fold, and the breast piece. It's probably long. I mean, I've heard estimates of below your knees to ankle length, um, but it's pretty long probably. And it is, and it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out so that he does not die. So, so some think that that is so that if, if he does die, People will know it um, while he's in there, but it says that he so that he w- does not die. So, uh, and then uh, ver- the last few verses of this, and we're going to get this that the high priest carries the guilt of the people. Which again, we're not going to have time to talk about that point. But you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave it. On it, like the engravings of a signet, holy to the Lord, and you shall fasten it to the turban by a cord of blue, and it shall be on the front of the turban, and you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it the engraving, holy to the Lord. Oh, I said read that already. You shall be on Aaron's forehead; it shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt of the holy things that the people of Israel concentrate, consecrate as their holy gifts. That is a, that phrase right there, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. That, that is one way of translating that. That's the way the ESV does it. Um, the NIV translates it similar King James does. New American Standard translates it like this. And Aaron shall take away 
the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to their holy gifts. So how can you get a translation difference like that? He shall bear the guilt of, or he shall take away the iniquity of. Well, it's because the same words, the same word for for bear is the same word for carry, and it also means to take away. So you can, with that same word, you can say, he's going to bear the guilt, he's going to carry the guilt, he's going to take away the guilt. So, the good news is, for us, that Jesus does both of those as our high priest. He bears the guilt. And he takes it away. So, regardless of the right way to translate that, I would would, just from the evidence, the rest of the from the context, I should say, I would side with New American Standard, um, which also uh, is the way the Jewish people translate that into English. The Jewish Bible does uh, into English, which basically is this, that, that he shall take away the sins. In other words, if you offer a gift, it was supposed to be perfectly blemish-free, but if it had blemishes, um, that's what this is addressing. Anything that you offer that you unknowingly offered that had a blemish, Aaron, by coming before the Lord, would would carry that away by appearing before the Lord, not be considered guilty for bringing it. So, And that kind of makes sense as you read the next couple verses. And shall be regularly on his forehead, and they shall be accepted before the Lord. And you shall weave the coat in checkered work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered in needlework. Now we're just going to read through the last um, three verse, four verses, and then we will close. So these are now closed for Aaron's sons, uh, and also Aaron wears some of them as well, but uh, his sons wear different clothes. And Aaron's sons, you shall make coats and sashes and caps, you shall make them for the glory for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs or some kind of um, garment that, that protects you from exposing yourself, which would be a fatal error. And they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or they come near the altar to minister to the holy place, lest they bear guilt, different kind of bear guilt, and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. So, those are the those are the three parts of this chapter and these are the points that we that we made that the high priest is chosen by God, he represents the people before God and that he carries the guilt of the people, either carries it away for um, carries it away or bears it. So, let's uh, let's close in prayer and then we'll sing our 
our final hymn.